creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need A creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. Have you ever heard anyone say that being in the zone creatively or athletically or mentally is the peak human experience? Uh, When I first heard this idea that that zone or flow state was kind of the secret to ultimate happiness, I instantly leaned in to hear like, okay, if that's true, I like being happy. Um, Tell me how to achieve it. Um, They'd be like, simple. It's about doing things that are a balance of challenge and mastery. It's the sweet spot of those two things. Now, challenges... Uh, every uh, as someone with ADHD, pretty much every single thing in my life is a challenge. So they're all over the place. Not hard to find at all. Flip on the news, open your phone, go to pretty much any room in my house. You know, I've got two dogs and three kids. There's challenges all over the place. Um, I know where to find those. But as I looked for mastery, I found that this idea just really made me feel disheartened because you've probably heard it by now. It's called the 10,000 hour rule. And it's this proposition that it requires 10,000 hours of the right kind of practice to master a skill. So if, look, I'm no mathematician, but I started working it out. All right. So if happiness equals flow and flow equals mastery and mastery equals 10,000 hours of practice, Peak happiness is only 10,000 hours away. Uh, That doesn't sound too bad, but if you start breaking it down, look, I know if A equals B and B equals C and C equals D, then A also equals D. And I'm pretty sure the equation I calculated next is as depressing as the math (laughs) made it seem. Because if you work on that skill you're trying to master and it takes 10,000 hours to reach flow, All you need to do is practice two hours a day, five days a week for 19 years. (laughs) Now talk about a get happy quick scheme, 19 years and you're going to be woo having a smile on your face. (laughs) But luckily, if you're sitting on a huge mountain of cash and you have all the time in the world, you can practice five hours a day every weekday and happiness will only take you seven and a half years to finally taste. Oh, and don't forget, you need a private tutor because the practice has to be exactly right. Um, So that pile of cash also comes in handy in that case as well. Um, Just very depressing. Just accept it. You'll never know what true joy is. Just forget it. Most of us will never master anything. Uh, But then again, how is it that that kind of flow they describe that produces the most creative results in a way where the work almost kind of creates itself. How is it that it can take 19 years to reach that, but then also that kind of work could be made by a teenager? Like it just doesn't add up. There, you know, there are 18-year-olds who have written legendary hit songs that they say were channeled through them where they lost themselves in that flow state. How could that be possible? if it takes 19 years to get there. Like what if there's more to this depressing equation than we 
are realizing? What if this 19-year path to joy wasn't actually, um, you know, no joy and then a huge pile of it? What if it's actually littered with breadcrumbs of joy? The kind of breadcrumbs that make you happy to be alive that taste so good. This is like everything bagel breadcrumbs, man, or French baguette from Paris. Um, These are good, (laughs) joyful breadcrumbs that line the path. Um, of, of flow and, and, and bring you joy if you know how to find them. Uh, if you want to be more creative and you want to create with mastery and be more excited about what you're making, this episode is for you. But before we get into that, just a really quick word from our sponsors. We don't have any sponsors this episode, so I'm sponsoring it. Well, you are. Some of you are. The Patreon Patreon backers are sponsoring every episode. They're the unsung heroes of this whole endeavor that every once in a while I do sing a little bit about. I'm not going to sing a song, but I am going to say thank you if you're a Patreon backer. And I just want to say a few bits and pieces. The, the first one is... That if you can't afford to support this show financially, don't. <laughs> I make this show to help creators not hurt them, not take advantage of them. But if you have a few bucks to sh- spare, if you can spare a dollar an episode or a few bucks an episode, it goes a long way. And uh, it's it, it made getting this far possible. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I also want to just full disclosure say, we just did a meetup on Zoom um, with Patreon backers. We're going to try to do that more. Sometimes I post, uh, I get into zones where I post more regularly than others, little behind the scenes, kind of mini peppy talks. But the truth is, I don't have a ton of perks for the Patreon backers. The Patreon really exists to allow people who want to support the show, support the show. Um, and the perk of that is um, the show being able to be made. And I, you know, I wish I could do a lot more, but, um, you know, Creative Pep Talk is just a piece of the things I do. You know, I make picture books um, that are take so much more work <laughs> than you'd ever guess. Um, I do client work. I do talks. I do all kinds of different things. I don't have a lot of bandwidth to add a bunch of perks every week to the Patreon thing. And and we're trying to figure out ways to do more and more because we love that community and we want to grow it and we really appreciate it. But really, the Patreon is just about supporting the show if you want to, if you can, um, if you um, are excited about this resource we we make every week on the podcast. And so um, we don't have sponsors this week except for um, the hundreds of people that back this show. I appreciate you. If you can support the show and you want to um, help out, patreon.com slash creative pep talk, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Every little bit helps and we really appreciate and we see you and we thank you. Chapter one, quit trying to master your medium. The first step to tapping into the joy of mastery and leveling up your creative skill is to quit trying to master your creative medium in the first place. Quit trying to master illustration. Quit trying to master picture book making. Quit trying to master making pop music. Quit trying to master filmmaking or writing fiction novels. Just quit. 
Uh, I feel like I start a lot of episodes telling you to quit. It, it feels like Jack Black in School of Rock. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Oh, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time because the world is run by the man. Like every time. <laughs> There's so, I start so many episodes in that energy. But it's true. You got you know, you to quit the thing that's not working to start the thing that, that maybe has a chance of working. But um, just quit and instead try to do something way easier. Like, just watch TV. <laughs> just kidding. But seriously, have you seen the show The Bear? Yes, Chef. It's incredible. I'm a huge fan of it. No spoilers. I still have two episodes left. But goodness gracious, I'm loving every minute of this show. It's fantastic. It's fast-paced. It feels so real. It reminds me of, um, you know, some of the people I, I knew in, when I lived in the uh, – um, Western New York, the that side of um, the New York State, the New York State, not the other one. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of those people, and I, I just love it so much. But here's the premise. A world-renowned master chef who's worked in the best restaurant in the world, his brother dies and leaves him with this gritty, kind of crappy, but, you know, good food but awful kind of situation, uh, sandwich shop in Chicago. And that chef decides to try and save the sandwich shop and, and kind of elevate it and make it something amazing, you know, to try to deal with the loss of his brother. Uh, I love the show. It's very real, very fast paced. It's hilarious. And it makes you love food and cooking like, like a good food oriented show does. I'm sure that there will be lots of future chefs uh, that point to this show as the thing that made them fall in love with the highs and lows and chaos and bliss of working in a kitchen. Yes, but I can't imagine that there are very many people that when they're watching this show and they get to the episode where they're talking about this elaborate plum dish that the chef made in this super fancy best kitchen in the world um, and thought, you know what, I'm going to go in the kitchen and rustle up this plum dish because it just sounds impossible. Like it takes a team of chefs working day and night, stirring the sauce, uh, you know, congealing the plum just right. And it rarely works like um, all of this stuff, like an insane thing to master. It's that kind of thing that's going to take the 19 year, 10,000 hour journey to master. You don't watch that and think, you know what, I'm going to go I'm going to go try to go do that. No, you watch it and you think, hmm, those sandwiches look pretty dang tasty. I bet I could make something similar. You get inspired uh, to go make something better, make a sandwich that's a little bit better than the sandwich that you made the night before when you watch something like that. And you you make a sandwich that tastes just, you know, 30% better than the one that you made the night before and you feel a little bit of joy. Joy in the process, joy in the creation. There's crumbs of joy along the path of mastery. So why is it that in some creative fields, we only shoot for that impossible plum dish? Like why in the world when we approach drawing, I feel like so many people that start drawing want to draw people realistically. Or when they're learning a new language, they're shooting for total fluency. Or if you, you're into filmmaking, you want to shoot for a feature-length film and nothing else will satisfy. 
And I'm proud to say that my journey to be a professional illustrator didn't start with an attempt to master realistic drawing, but mastering the art of drawing one big oval, two little ovals next to it, connected on either side, one rectangle on top, and then a half semicircle on top of that rectangle with two little eyes in the middle. Now, this is a podcast, and there's just no way you can follow that kind of ridiculous visual um, instruction. But let me give you what's behind the curtain. It's a picture-perfect drawing of the head of a ninja turtle with just a few lines, okay? And when my cousin taught me how to draw this simple but deeply satisfying way to draw ninja turtles that looked fantastic in a matter of seconds, I mastered that in seconds and I drew that for years and and, uh, and I got joy out of it for years. Now that is taking the 10,000 hour rule and flipping it on its ninja turtle head. Kawabunga. Huh? Kawabunga! <laughs> Instead of taking years to master something you can do in seconds, I mastered something in seconds that brought me joy for years. And as silly as it sounds, my journey to where I'm at now doing whatever this is, um, making kids books and working with clients and, and podcasts and all this kind of stuff, has been a series of delicious little simple turtle head moments all strung together. Like after the Ninja Turtle trick, I moved on to something much more impressive, much more elegant and dynamic. Yes, it was that angular S thing that all the 90s kids were were drawing. Um, You've seen it a million times. Uh, It gets tagged all over the place. It's like very straight edge, pointy S. Um, And then I went on to this dimensional uppercase Nike N that my friend showed me how to make. It was, oh man, I got so much joy out of that. You And the point I'm trying to make is you don't need to wait 10,000 hours for happiness. The next bit of happiness and flow is just one step ahead. As we have explored in the past from the work of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi and his book, Flow, the flow state is found at that perfect balance of challenge and mastery. When you set out to be a total master of food from the onset, wanting to make that elaborate impossible plum dish, there's too big of an imbalance of challenge. You need something that's close to what you can do now, something just outside of your mastery. So if you can only make mac and cheese, maybe you need to just go for mac and cheese surprise. whatever you want to define that as. You don't need to learn Beethoven when you first sit at the piano. Maybe just do a slow cover of Vanessa Carlton. I read recently that uh, the speed is the only trick of that big hit song. You don't have to go that far to taste the joy of mastery. You don't need to walk 10,000 miles to see mastery over your medium. But you do need to do it Today, to taste the joy of flow, uh, to, to taste that peak human experience. I really believe that time will fly. I mean, it will pass you by. If I can just put one step in front of the other. Tonight. And quit trying to master illustration and just master color. Quit trying to master music or even pop music and just try to master the art of making a killer three-second intro. It's true. When I'm working on a skill, 
or in, in a skill that I've been doing for 10 years, I get a dose of flow state that is stronger than it's ever been. Like it compounds with time. The more mastery and the bigger challenge, the bigger dose of flow and joy um, when I can find my way into it. And in that way, it's great in that skills are like the opposite of a drug addiction. Like instead of tolerance and the joy getting smaller and smaller, if you get more masterful and you keep accepting uh, just a little bit bigger challenge, and a little bit bigger challenge, that joy actually compounds and increases and widens. But even better news than that, I can look back and see that I got a little bit of that same type of joy every time I drew that little Michelangelo Ninja Turtle head. Not Michelangelo Sistine Chapel, okay? Like, I'm, I'll probably never, I'm not, I'm not going to say probably, I'll never get to anything like that. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't have that talent and I'm not on that path, but. Here's what I want to ask you. What is the next Ninja Turtle head on your path? Like, that's a great quote to letter. It's very, very profound. Put that in amazing swashy lettering. What's the next Ninja Turtle head on your path? It sounds like you're kind of the anti-hero, multiversal version of Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're going around. It's all, he's the hero of the movie. He's going around collecting Ninja Turtle heads for his wall. That's you. But those Ninja Turtle heads are metaphorical and they're just skills. Um, But seriously, what would it look like if you quit trying to either never challenge yourself uh, or, or, and quit trying to master the entire art and instead just tried to master the little chunk that is next on your path? What if you quit trying to master acoustic guitar and just tried to master finger picking? as you create that next album and you fold it into your process. This process is called chunking and we're gonna dive deeper into what that is. But uh, by the end, I want to show you a little hack on how you can make this process of learning a new skill for your creative utility belt in a way that is satisfying and fun and doesn't feel like learning, which, you know, stuff that feels like learning is my least favorite thing. Stuff where you're having a joyful, creative learning sandwiched into having a great time. Love it. That's what we're going to talk about. Chapter two, just chunk it. Okay, I promise this step is not as disgusting as it sounds, um, but step two, if you are going to find the flow state and level up your creative skills without it being extremely painful and actually being something that is joyful, the thing, the second thing you gotta do is you gotta chunk it out, and I'm gonna explain what I mean by that in just a second. But this episode starts a series about how to be more creative, how to level up your work. I think a lot of us want that. How do we get more creativity out of our brains? How do we make work that's genuinely better than the work we were making a year ago or two years ago? This chapter is about how to break down what it means to make better creative work into smaller chunks that are fun and manageable to achieve. And the process of this is chunking. Um... So we have to talk about that, and uh, I wish that we didn't. I mean, I want to talk about the concept, but I wish it had a different name that was less disgusting. We need a rebrand. Chunking, I just don't like it. Um, One time, Ryan and I were driving to a talk that was within driving distance, and we saw a restaurant 
that advertised in a huge sign outside, famous for our chunks. And I thought, dear Lord, how desperate do you need to be <laughs> to stop off at a restaurant um, that is advertising nondescript, vague chunks? Um, suffice it to say that, uh, you know, this talk was out at a college that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And um, on the way home, we were that desperate. We didn't order the chunks, okay? <laughs> we didn't order the chunks. We just got, I think, some like onion straws, something safe and deep fried. <laughs> but yeah, chunks. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love the name, but I love the process. And I'll tell you why. So this comes from the studies on memorization and how the brain works. Um, there's actually this thing called Miller's Magic Number, uh, not a Miller that I'm related to that I know of, but um, he's the person who discovered that uh, we find it pretty easy to memorize about seven things at a time, and that's why we have seven numbers in phone numbers, give or take one or two numbers for depending on your brain. You've probably heard that before, that in the USA, we have seven numbers in our phone numbers because typically the mind finds it manageable to remember about seven things at once. But what I never knew is the reason why they break down the three numbers at the front and the four numbers at the end with that hyphen in the middle is because if you break those seven numbers into two smaller chunks, we actually find it easier to remember them because in a way it goes from remembering remember, remembering seven things to remembering two things. The first batch numbers and the second batch of numbers. So seven numbers become two chunks of numbers. And there's a really good example I found online where they list out a large batch of random numbers. And and if you look at it, on first glance, you'd be like, this is going to be more or less impossible to memorize. The amount of time it would take to memorize this many letters is just never going to be worth it. Why would we ever do that? But through the process of chunking, it becomes super manageable. First, they break down the letters into six groups of three letters each. Um, which already makes it easier. But then they take it even further and they organize those six groups. Each group has three letters into three groups of two. So there's three groups. Each group has two little batches of letters, three letters each, and they label all of them. I promise that's hard to follow. It'll make sense in just a second. So they label one animals. So the first batch of words is cat and hen, um, both three letters each. Uh, they organized these letters into words that they could put in a bucket, and we'll call that animal bucket. Uh, the next one was companies, and these were IBM and KFC, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, what seemed like a very challenging task, an impossible task for people, especially that struggle to memorize things like like um, a lot of ADHD people do, uh, it becomes manageable by breaking it down into smaller pieces that make sense and resonate. And the same is true for the idea of being more creative. I recently went on a search of what kind of content do creators search out? Like what are they consuming? What are their biggest questions? And over and over again, I found the desire to be more creative. But for me, that seemed like such a messy question to ask because the premise seemed like a good enough question. But looking back over my career, I can see that 
I was able to access more and more creative solutions over time, but how I did it was a mess of information. It was a huge body of creative exercises and mindset and uh, complex coming together of a whole bunch of chunks of things. And so the question seemed like a bad question because the answer was so complicated um, that it seemed like, oh, well, that's not even the right question. But then as I started to think about it through the lens of chunks, I realized like we can ask that question if we break down that big, complicated mess of an answer into manageable pieces. And I started to parse out what were the chunks of things that really came together to make a difference to mean that the work that I'm making now, in in my opinion, is dramatically, considerably, measurably different uh, and better than the work I was making 10 years ago. So we're going to do a series on how to be more creative in your work. And we're going to take that idea and treat it as it's like that long list of letters and chunk it down into more manageable pieces that make more sense and are able to be mastered piece by piece. This episode is about skill acquisition. A considerable chunk of being more creative is about growing your skills. You know, I think it's one piece of the equation. I think people focus a little bit too much on this, but it is a considerable important part of the equation. And uh, just as I remembered getting into playing music by learning basic punk songs with power chords like that that's a better path than studying beethoven in my opinion just to you know if you want to get into beethoven later fine but catch the bug figure out how the basics work so you can start to um, get some joy in the process we're going to break down the idea of being more creative into smaller chunks just like that, the power chords of creativity so they're actionable and achievable. So yes, when learning a new skill, the best thing to do is chunk it out. Master playing a simple song before mastering the instrument. Uh, and in the call to adventure, we're going to get a little bit into that and put that to action. But seeing as this is the intro to a bigger series on being more creative, let's, let's also use the chunking idea, not to just build skills, but into how are we going to introduce the idea of being more creative on a whole? Cause it's more than just skill acquisition, creativity. There's so much more than just being good at drawing or being good at playing guitar, as you know. And in my experience, being more creative is about a few different chunks. And I, I broke it down into four S's, skill, strategy, style, and substance. The, the skill of chunking out the big mastery into tiny bits of mastery and stringing them together over time. The strategy, that's the second thing, the strategy of your craft. And when I say strategy, I'm saying the me mechanics of and the psychology of how the type of art you work works on the people the way that it does and having a bunch of pieces you know tools in your utility belt in that way is essential and has been for me the third one is style and i would say style is largely driven by your taste and your experiments but style isn't just about making something appealing to others it's about having a shorthand of your uh, working style so that you're not bogged down on every single decision as you make 
work and you can focus on the next little chunk or skill or thing you're trying to master or the next thing you're trying to say in your work. And you can allow all the less important things to be covered by just how you do things, which is your style. Uh, And the fourth one is substance, the substance of your message. I think one of the most essential things to being more creative and having more potent creative work is when all those things come together, skill, strategy, style, and then substance, where your work isn't just looking super cool and looking like it's really fresh, but actually has something deeper on the inside that resonates in a much bigger human way. That's about having the substance. And the fourth one is going to be the substance of your message. And we're going to chunk out all these different categories and put them together to be more creative, to make better creative work. So that's the Creative Mastery Series. Level up, be more creative, make better work, connect on a deeper level. And just in the way we chunk that out, we're going to go into the call to adventure, how you can systematically and actively chunk out mastering your medium by mastering the next chunk of your medium. And we're going to talk about how to identify what chunk to master next, what What's your next Ninja Turtle head on your wall? This episode is sponsored by Wendy Fetza Matza and Maho and Valerie Allen and Kay Potter and Hallie Smith and Brooke Aronson and Stu Hallibone. All kinds of different people like you. If you are one of the Patreon backers, and we really appreciate the Patreon backers, they are big sponsors sponsors of the show, the original sponsors before we ever had any brands. We had actual people supporting the show, and uh, they are the um, the lifeblood of Creative Pep Talk, and they don't get enough cred. And I appreciate you, and I make the show for you. And, um, and we make the show for you and we love, um, your support. So thank you so much. If you are able to contribute a couple bucks, a buck per episode to help us keep the lights on with all things creative pep talk, you know, there's a bunch of hidden fees to running a podcast of this size. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash creative pep talk. Don't do it. If that few bucks a month is going to break you. I know, you know, when I was starting out, we had some tight times and um, I would never pressure anyone to spend money in that time. Um, This show is a gift to all of you folks. Um, But if you have a few bucks to spare and you get a lot from this show, we'd really appreciate it. And we uh, we appreciate you. So um, go check it out. Patreon.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks. Chapter three, your creative call to adventure this week is to make a beef under Wilmington sandwich. Have you ever seen that meme, the beef under or the beef over Wilmington? I I don't really know where it originated, but I've seen it a bunch of different places. If somebody knows, send me a message. I'll give the shout out and the credit where it's due. But uh, my wife and I talk a lot about it because we get overwhelmed easily because we're squishy emo creators um, and the, the smallest thing can throw us off and make us feel like, oh, why me? Um, that, 
would be instant beef over Wilmington. So we're, ta- we're, ta- we're always throwing that around. And uh, uh, if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by learning new things, uh, like, like I, I feel like a lot of creators don't really want to learn new things, typically. Some, some do. Some are that, that way. Uh, but a lot just don't. It sounds boring. We like to do fun stuff. You know what I mean? And so if you get overwhelmed by learning a new thing or mastering an entire new medium, that you're into, like maybe you just got into a whole different thing. I remember at the start of when I first started getting into picture books back in 2012, it'd be funny if like I never appreciated picture books until I was like in my late 20s. Um, but now when I got into them as a creator and I started dipping my toes and I was, I was excited about it, I started learning a little bit about story and I was instantly beef over Wilmington. It was like, dear God, there are volumes about this. And I would, you know, pitch my picture books to editors and they would bring up all of these little story nuggets and and tools and tricks and, and strategies and, you know, kind of the common lexicon of language that comes up when you start talking about story. And I was instantly beef over Wilmington feeling very like I do not want to learn this skill. It's way too overwhelming. And instead just started to feel like, why is everything so formulaic and all that kind of thing um, until I just found my way in uh, into getting into it by chunking it out. So maybe you're into a new medium that you want to master, but you don't want to learn the whole thing or it's really overwhelming you, or you just feel like you need to learn a new skill. Here's a way that I try to approach it that's really helped me. And it's through making a beef under Wilmington sandwich. So I've seen a lot of TikTokers try and take on celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay and his famous, very difficult to master beef Wellington. It's like a mastery achievement. It's a, it's a benchmark of great chefdom. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never seen someone take inspiration from it and just make a really good beef sandwich. And that's what I would do if I was just getting started. I'm a simple boy from Indiana and uh, I'll take a fancy sandwich over a fancy plated entree pretty much any day of the week, any way, anyhow, any time. Um, but seriously, instead of trying to master the impossible out, uh, out of the gate, you know, this thing that is the benchmark of chefdom, which isn't a word, I'm aware. You have to tell me that. Um, I wonder what it would look like just to take the beef section of the recipe and master that. And don't just master it and then throw it in the freaking trash. Are you insane? No. Master that and then throw it into that sourdough bread that you've been working on for the past three years in this global pandemic uh, and put it together and boom, you've got an elevated sandwich. I feel like so much of us, we want to learn a new thing. We want to learn 3D. We want to learn like this new calligraphy. We like all these different things, but we do so in such a way where we're just throwing the beef in the trash, man. Combine it with the sourdough. Combine it with the other mastery that you already have so that you can eat the thing, so you can feel the joy of mastery and challenge put together. You know, the challenge is the beef. The mastery is the sourdough. You've already got that unlocked. They go perfectly together. If you will continue to combine those things with every project you do, you will find those joy breadcrumbs all the way through because that is the secret ingredient of flow. And so this is how I built my career, doing projects that allow me to master one new tiny thing and mash them together with something I've already mastered. Um, Maybe you 
want to learn how to draw people, but you already screen print. It's time to make a people screen print sandwich. Boom. You're perfectly, the perfect level of whelm. I think that joke is Seth Worley. Uh, but I don't know if he, he's a friend of mine, a filmmaker, but I don't know if he made up the underwhelming <laughs> beef on, uh, over Wellington. I don't know. If Seth, if you're somehow listening to this, you give me the whole backstory. I wanted to learn gouache painting. Um, so overnight, I just switched to making my episode, episode art by integrating gouache painting. This was like four years ago. And, and I slowly but surely used less and less Photoshop as a crutch to clean it up. And then, you know what, I, I was on from that because I, I, I integrated that gouache painting into my kids' books, and now I'm learning a new thing in my episode art, in my personal work. Making new sandwiches. Maybe you've mastered lovely abstract shapes, but now you need to figure out color, and you need to make a color-shaped sandwich. Boom. Do a project on that Do a, a until you feel like, oh, I've got a working palette that really, really works and now I need to integrate another bit of challenge. Don't master guitar, learn some power chords and make a delicious punk rock beef under Wilmington sandwich. So here's your CTA, your call to adventure, the thing that you can do right now, you know, whether you wanna level up and get more creative or you're no longer loving the process of making stuff because it's no longer flow, because it's all mastery and no challenge, no learning. You need to inject some learning into uh, your process right now, not on the side of your process, Put it right in with that mastery. That is the sweet spot. Them together. Here's what you need to do. Identify one small new skill within the greater medium of your creativity and fold it into your next body of work. Not a beef wellington from scratch, but just the beef or just the pastry or just this one little tiny cooking technique. That's what I've been doing on this podcast for the past eight years is reading about a story technique or, you know, consuming a, a public speaker, a comedian, or, or what, you know, someone who shares information in a story format, learning a technique, learning a mechanic of how they do what they do, and then trying to employ it the next week in the podcast, mixed with things that I already have mastered, things I already know a lot about in the format that I already work with in. And so I don't have 10,000 hours of mastery in probably any one medium at this point. I might be like five to 7,000 hours in podcasting and public speaking, storytelling through the medium of word and probably seven to 10,000, maybe getting cl close to 10,000 on the drawing front. But here's what I've learned. If you break down these thousands of hours into little tiny chunks you will also break down the transcendent joy of mastery into pieces that you can snack on every day as you move down that long road of mastering your art. And those are some pretty famous chunks. Those are tasty chunks right there. And they have held me over as I've moved further and further down the creative path. And I I really just am sending this episode back through time space to early Andy saying, hey, that little bit of fun that you're having when you're finding a little bit of challenge and mastery, drawing that Ninja Turtle head or that super sweet S or that dimensional Nike letter N or the, the characters you're making every day in 2011 or the client work you're doing in 2015, like, all of that little joy, you know how it just keeps growing? Like it compounds. 
Like the more creative you are, the more you level up. The, for me and my experience, you get deeper and deeper levels of joy. Yeah, there's deeper levels of challenge, deeper, deeper levels of frustration in, in lots of ways too. Um, I'm not going to deny that. But the joy is so much stronger that it does have almost a transcendent quality. And you're never going to go for it if you defer the, all the experience of that joy until you've mastered the medium, the, the entire art form. Instead, just break it down into little tiny levels of mastery. Just chew on those breadcrumbs as chunk it out. All right, quick little review, and then we'll get out of here. The first one is quit trying to master the whole medium. Just break it down into ninja turtle heads, man. <laughs> the second thing is how to actually chunk it out, how to break down mastering the medium into those smaller batches of letters, you know, to those little buckets of mastery. And the third thing is to fold that into a sandwich a project <laughs> there's a lot of metaphors there's turtle heads there's buckets of letters and there's also sandwiches sounds de sounds delicious turtle soup Sh shredder would be very excited about that anybody that didn't grow up on ninja turtles is very lost at this point <laughs> but make yourself a nice chunky <laughs> chunky turtle soup oh man chunky chunky soup anyway and the last piece of that is identify the next little thing. What are you learning right now? What are, what are you trying to master? What are you trying to integrate into your everyday projects and trying to mash together with the stuff that you're already mastering? Don't separate all that out. Even, you know, even to the point where um, I will have figured out how to shoehorn in. Uh, there was a season of my career where I was like kind of fed up with drawing, um, but I, and I was really into storytelling. And, you know, this podcast was a way of mashing those two things together because I was, you know, feeding my children drawings. Um, I was feeding them that kind of chunky soup. I was feeding my children with the money I was making with illustration. I couldn't just throw it out and, and start my career over. I didn't have that kind of bankroll. I wasn't sitting on mountains of cash um, in order to do that. And you probably aren't either. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to smash them together. And I made this podcast. And then, look, eight years later, I fell in love with drawing all over again. Now I've realized how powerful a, an image and an illustration is and how integrated that is into storytelling. And now they're just, that Venn diagram is just flip-flopping back and forth. Like some days I feel like I've mastered drawing and the challenge is storytelling. And sometimes it's the other way around. Um, but the, yeah, the last part of this whole thing is to name today. You can do it in five minutes. What are the, what's the thing you're learning and going to integrate into the next project you make or the next piece that you make? Um, I hope it helps. We're going to do a whole series on creative mastery. We've chunked it out, four episodes, four different topics um, to, to help you break down this mastery into pieces so that... In five years, you actually have a, uh, a very clear sense that your work is considerably 
more masterful and more enjoyable than it was the four years prior. All right. Thanks to everybody listening. Massive thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing the show so beautifully. Massive thanks to Ryan Appleton, Katie Chandler, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all sorts. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. Thank you.